Well, good morning. Welcome again to Silver Creek. We are thrilled that you've chosen to join us online this morning. Uh, thanks again for taking time and making this a part of your uh, weekly process and making it a priority to be here. Uh, we are thrilled that you're joining us. Uh, this morning, we are wrapping up our series called Emotions. And I know that when I mentioned we are wrapping up the series of emotions, I know that some of you are very happy with the idea that the series on emotions is finishing. I also know that others of you will feel conflicted with the idea that the series of emotions is finishing. Others of you are going to be stressed. Others of you are going to be disappointed. Some of you are going to be thrilled with the idea that emotions is finishing. The reality is that there are lots of emotions around the emotions of ending the series, emotions. Probably not. Anyway, this morning we're going to do something that I don't think we've ever really done before today. Uh, this morning what I want to do is we're going to lead into and really start setting the groundwork for the next series that we're going to jump into. Now last week I mentioned the new series is going to be called Always Smiling. Um, and for anybody that thinks that I write these messages in an isolation chamber, um, we had some discussion this last week and it was uh, pointed out that we are actually not going to be calling it Always Smiling. Uh, we've come up with a better name. Uh, so we actually next week will be launching a new message series called Choosing Joy. But this morning, as we wrap up emotions, I want to start exploring what that looks like to choose joy as we get ready for next week. And so with this being our last week of emotions, uh, we're going to kind of dive into that and kind of look at it from both sides. And, and to make this morning more interactive, we're going to do something that we started last week. And so as we move into this, you know, with these different emotions and we talk about different emotions as we wrap this up, in the chat here on the online version or online if you're joining us, I want you to put down two or three emotions that you just felt this last week. Just think back over this last week and think about some of the things that have happened in your life. What are two, of, two or three of the emotions that you felt just this last week? Now, to join the conversation, I know that that takes a little bit of effort. You might have to go to your laptop, you know, pick up, whatever. If you're willing to join the conversation or join the chat, each time that you post in the chat, we want to we reward you. And so this morning, we're going to enter your name into a drawing. For every time that you enter, we're going to enter your name into a drawing for $20 worth of Chick-fil-A gift cards. And we know you can't do it today because they're closed, but we'll get it to you and you can go sometime during the week. And, and maybe you've only ever joined us online and you've never actually been here in person and maybe joining us and chatting there uh, is a little bit of a stretch. Maybe you're like, if, you ch if you've never been here before, if you post something in the chat and then you just put online, we're going to send you a $5 gift card just for, just for trying it. And if you're a regular part of Silver Creek and you've been here in the mornings before and you try that and you're like, oh, online, we know who you are and we're not going to send you a $5 gift card. But if you've never been here in the room, we just want to say thanks for trying this. So, so this morning, hopefully you guys are posting two or three emotions that you're, you felt this last week. And what we know is that right now we are experiencing a lot of emotions. And some of you, as I mentioned, this $20 Chick-fil-A card, some of you are experiencing the emotion of you are very energized to respond. And some of you are feeling very manipulated, and you still want the Chick-fil-A, so you're going to do it. But either way, like as you dive into this chat and as you think about the emotions, what we recognize that right now there are many, many emotions that are being experienced. And some people might even argue that there are more emotions being experienced right now than any other time in history. I, I don't know that that's true. I mean, if we think back on history, there have been some pretty rough moments. 
and there have been some pretty remarkable moments. So we are experiencing a lot of emotions, and right now I think what a lot of our emotions, we're, we're seeing these big swings. You know, one day you're really feeling great, and the next day you're really feeling terrible. One day you're really, really positive, and the next day you're feeling crushed. And as we begin to think about next week and talking more about the idea of joy and realizing that, that joy can be a part of who we are and we can choose joy, a part of that is recognizing that there are times where we also experience sadness. And as we're looking at these different emotions, we've been looking at the fact that Jesus experienced these different emotions. And maybe not everybody recognizes this, but, but Jesus in his life experienced the emotion of sadness. And the goal isn't this morning to celebrate that Jesus was sad, but to recognize that he was sad from time to time. And as we look at what made him sad, then we can also begin to see what caused him to experience joy. And many of the things that caused Jesus joy were things like when a hurting individual was healed, Jesus was full of joy. When a rejected individual began to be feel loved, it caused Jesus to feel full of joy. When sinners were forgiven and the angels rejoiced, Jesus was full of joy. And even though Jesus was full of joy, there were those moments where occasionally he cried. And there were those moments where he was sad. In the book of Luke, which was, which was written down to give us a very accurate account, where Luke went out and he spoke with eyewitnesses that actually heard Jesus and watched Jesus, Luke wrote this down so we would have a very accurate account, and he recorded some moments where Jesus was sad. Listen to what it says in Luke 19. It says this, it says, But as he came closer to Jerusalem, as Jesus came closer to Jerusalem, and he saw the city ahead, he began to weep. I mean, that's just not crying. Weeping is like the, the violent, kind of ugly cry kind of a thing. And if we know what, Jesus, what made Jesus feel sad, what caused him to weep, then we can begin to think that maybe on the opposite side is what brought him joy. And when we look at why Jesus came to earth, we know that Jesus came to earth to bring life. And not just bring life, but bring life that would be abundant. Jesus came that those that are lost might be found. Jesus came to proclaim the good news to the poor. He came to help those that were blind to have sight. Jesus came to help set prisoners free. Jesus didn't just come for the righteous, he came for sinners. He didn't just come for the healthy, he came for the sick. Jesus came to show love and to introduce the love of the Father. And when Jesus looked down at Jerusalem and the condition of Jerusalem, it wrecked him. It tore him up. He was weeping because of the condition of what he saw happening in Jerusalem. In fact, just a couple of chapters later, we get a better understanding of what it was that Jesus was seeing and what it was that was causing him to feel that way. It says this, it says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jesus is saying, he says, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. God had sent different prophets. God had sent different messengers to the city of Jerusalem and to the Israelites. And because they didn't like the message that was being delivered, they would kill the messenger. And what was saddening to Jesus, certainly he was saddened by the fact that these prophets had died, but the deep sadness that was causing him to weep was the fact that the people had rejected God. 
that not only did they reject the messenger, they were rejecting the message. And Jesus was certainly sad that the messenger's life was taken, but the fact that there was this direct rejection of God himself was what caused Jesus to be so sad because because Jesus wanted to bring those that knew him. He wanted to bring them close. He wanted to show them love. He wanted to show them comfort. He wanted to let them know that they mattered. But the people of Jerusalem were rejecting. And it was that that caused Jesus to be sad, that they wouldn't be open to what God desired to be in their life. And Jesus was saying, listen, I came to extend love and I came to protect and I came to give comfort. I came to heal. But because of the rejection, because they pushed him away, it was not able to happen and this resulted in Jesus being sad. And so as we begin to understand and we begin to see what might make Jesus sad, it also begins to help us recognize that joy might be possible. And really, it begins to help us understand that there's an opportunity for you and I to choose to not let sadness win. You and I have an opportunity to choose to not let sadness be the thing that overrides and overpowers our life. Again, in the book of Luke, we find this amazing story. A story that, you know, if you've been in church for a while or if you've been around, you've maybe heard this story. It's the it's story of a father who has two sons. And Jesus explains that in this story, the, the younger son makes this really big decision, a huge decision. He comes to his dad one evening, and I don't know if it's the evening. I just assume this, these kind of things happen in the evening. Anyway, he comes to his dad in the evening and explains, Dad, I'm done. Like, I'm done living here. I'm done living in your house. Dad, it's, it's, it's over. And not only is it over, the son says, I'm ready to claim everything that belongs to me. Whatever it is that you owe me, I'm, I'm ready for you to give it to me. I'm ready to move on. He's saying, Dad, I would like all of my inheritance right now. It's time for me to move on. It's time for you to give me what I deserve. I'm going to go. This is a huge decision. This is a big statement. So big that we have to believe he didn't just reach this decision overnight. It wasn't like the previous day it was like, I'm out of here. This is, this is probably coming for a while. Especially in this particular culture. I mean, this is a big, big move. I mean, even today we recognize it's a big thing, but it was so much bigger back then. Because, because if you wanted your inheritance... Or if today you want your inheritance, there's a pretty important and difficult event that needs to take place, right? There's something really critical that has to happen in order for you to cash in, right? We all understand if, if our inheritance is actually going to be collected, then the person that's giving that inheritance has to do something important. They got to die, Right? And typically, when somebody that we care about that wants to give us our inheritance has to die, that is typically a, a sad moment. Right? Typically, we care about the person that's passed away. So, so in order for you to get the money, or in order for you to get the house, or in order for you to get the car, or in the, say, in the, in the case of my kids, in order to divide up the shoes and the hoodies, like, somebody's got to die. And so the son is basically saying, hey, Dad, Let's just pretend you're dead. I'll go keep on living. We'll pretend that you're dead. You give me what you owe me, and, and I'll just get my money and be on my way. And we don't really know what it is that the son doesn't like. I mean, maybe there's some rules he doesn't really like. Maybe the dad wasn't letting him be what he thought he could be. 
Maybe the dad was holding him back. Maybe, maybe the dad was requiring him to go out and clean the barn or wash the animals. We, we, we don't really know what it is, but the son, for whatever reason, thought life would be better if his dad was dead and he had the money. Now, this isn't to say that sons and daughters shouldn't grow up and that they shouldn't move out. I mean, in fact, in our home right now, our oldest son is in the process of this, and, and it's a healthy process. This isn't about cutting ties. This isn't about ending relationships. But in this particular setting, in this particular situation, what the son is literally saying is, we are done. This relationship is over. Our connection no longer exists. Which has clearly got to be extremely painful for the father. Such a deep, cutting wound. But even in all of that disrespect, even in all of that lack of concern for what the father might be feeling, the father makes a decision that I don't know that I could make. He gives the son the inheritance. He gives the son what would be his if the father died. I'm just going to be clear with my kids. This dude is way better than me. I mean, if one of my kids came to me and said, Dad, we're going to pretend you're dead. Give us what is ours. I'd be like, okay, here's your quarter. Good luck. Not this dad. This dad whose son just said, I wish you were dead. This dad says, okay, well, I love you with all of my life. Here's what you get. And he gives, the ton, gives his son tons of money, and he, he sends his son on the way. And if you heard the story, you know what happens. The son has all of this money, and he goes out, and he spends it on parties, and he, and he buys friends, and he's treating girls, uh, you know, well, and he's drinking. I mean, really, anything they can do that's enjoyable, they're just blowing all the money. And this dad had lots of money, so they did lots of stuff. But still, if you're going to live that way, even if you have a lot of money, it's only going to go so far. And at some point, with living that way and not actually earning more money, all the money's going to be gone, and that's exactly what happened. Eventually, this guy had nothing. Eventually, this guy is broke. And so now for this guy, he's got no money. He finds himself with no friends. There's no girls. There's no parties. Nothing. And there's a family. I mean, all, everything goes wrong. Suddenly, this guy finds himself at a, at a job where he's actually feeding pigs on this farmer's farm. He's like, on a farmer's farm? He's on this farm working for this farmer, and he's feeding pigs, and he's completely broke, no money, can't afford to buy food, and he's feeding these pigs, and he's hungry, and one day as he's feeding these pigs, he looks at the food that he's about to feed the pigs, and he's like, that's a good option. Now, let's get super real for a minute. I don't know what in your life makes you sad. But I think the very moment that pig food looks good, that's pretty sad. Right? When, when it feels like you've lost everything and the worst option you could ever imagine now looks like the best option, you're sad. Regardless of how you got there, Regardless of what brought on all the hurts, regardless of who made the mistakes, maybe it was your choice like this guy. Or maybe it wasn't your fault at all. Either way, when we look at our options 
And the option that we would never pick is the best option available. Sadness can either overtake us, or we can choose to not allow sadness to win. So, with all that in mind, let me say the craziest thing I'm going to say all, say all morning. With all of that, it's this young guy that's now made horrible decisions, who's now in this place of great sadness, who's about to eat pig food, who gives us the example we should follow. This guy who is completely sad shows us our best first action when sadness has begun to take over and sadness begins settling in. The best action that we can take is to take one step toward your father. When everything seems hopeless, when the journey looks completely impossible, when the pig's food seems to be good, take a step towards the father. Because sometimes what happens is things are so horrible and so bad. If we look at everything that has to happen to recover, if we look at all of the steps that need to take place in order for us to get back to where we desire to be, all of those steps can actually become overwhelming as well and begin to create even a, more sadness. So rather than focusing on everything that needs to happen, just take one step toward your Heavenly Father. Take one step towards the God who cares. Take one step towards the God that loves. Take one step towards the God that provides. Don't worry about how all of it's going to come together. Don't worry about all of the steps that it's going to take after that step. Take one step toward our Heavenly Father. And then listen to how it went down for this son. He's standing there. He's feeding the pigs. And then this is what happens. It says, when he came to his senses, he said, of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. Suddenly he comes to his senses. Suddenly he looks at the pig's food, and it looks good, and he realizes that life was better with his father. He suddenly realizes, man, I messed that up. Wow, I really blew it. And it wasn't until this moment that he started to understand how devastatingly he had hurt his dad. How devastating it was that he had done what he had done. And so oftentimes, the problem is, is that in this moment, we are tempted to stop right there. We don't like where life has ended. We don't like what we see going on around us. And it might be that the situation that we find ourselves in is a situation that we can blame ourselves for. We made the decisions. We did the things that got us to where we're at, sort of like this guy. It might be that we're in the situation that we're in because somebody that we care about didn't come through in the way that we thought they should come through. Or it might just be that life hasn't worked out the way that we anticipated it to happen. And in that moment, when we come to our senses and we begin to think about how bad things are and what life could have been like and what life should have been like, or maybe we look at what other people have, all of that combined can start to almost feel like it would be better to be dead. Or if we want sadness to not win, 
if we want sadness to overwhelm us, or if the sadness is going to continue. That happens when we don't move, when we don't change, when we don't move forward. If we don't do those things, if we don't take that step, then sadness has the opportunity to override everything. And sadness begins to be the thing that dominates our life. But if we don't want that to be the reality, if we want to begin to pursue joy, if we want to get beyond the sadness, it's not about really anything that you and I can do It's not really about anything that we have in our power to do because really it's just about taking that one step because then it's everything about what the Father can do. It's about recognizing that in the middle where everything is horrible, it's not about how I dig myself out of this. It's not about what I can do. It's about recognizing that if I'll just turn and pursue the Father, he's the one that's going to make it all better. And that's what this guy has just figured out, that rather than sitting there with the pigs he begins to take a step towards the father. We keep reading. It says, So he got up and went to his father. But while he, the son, was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. There's some pretty amazing scenes in the Bible. But this has got to be one of the most amazing scenes that we can possibly picture. I mean, this kid has messed up. This kid has really done some horrible stuff. He has hurt his father so deeply. This kid has walked so far away from everything his dad had desired and hoped for his son. And now this this son is just simply hoping. He's just like, oh, if only my dad would just bring me back as a hired hand. I I don't need to be his son. I'm just hoping to get a job on the farm. And when we talk about finding joy and not allowing sadness to win, this is the moment we're talking about. That after we have walked far away from God, or after our situation has gotten, us so, or has gotten so rough that it feels like we're far away from God, or maybe we've gotten lazy about church, or we've gotten lazy about reading our Bible, or about praying, or, or developing in that relationship, whatever it is, whatever causes us to feel like we are far away and that the sadness is starting to press in, When we come to our senses and begin to take a step towards our Heavenly Father, He begins to move towards us faster than we can even imagine. This dude is running to his son. The moment he sees him coming, he starts running, and that's exactly what God wants to do. The moment we take that step, our Father pursues us, and He throws His arms around us, and He welcomes us back. The son hasn't even said anything yet just came back and the father is filled with compassion and pulls his son in close and I imagine the son like kind of pushes his dad back and he's like okay let me roll out the plan dad dad I don't expect you to take me back I don't need things to be like they were before dad dad if you'll just give me a job and just put me on the payroll that's all I need And that's what started him. That's what caused the son to come to his senses, thinking, you know what? It'll just be better if I can simply be in my father's presence. I don't need everything that it was. I don't need everything. And so he took that step. And when he took that step, it led to this moment where his father ran to him, embraced him, and welcomed him back. And as a result, sadness doesn't win. And the father not only welcomes him back, the father not only restores him to full status as the son, he he not only gives him back all of his rights and all of his power and all of his opportunity, all of the acceptance, 
the father who had been told by the son, you're dead to me. The father said, I thought you were dead and now you're back. And so we're going to live like this is the best day possible. And the dad is so excited to have the son back, so thrilled to have the child that he never thought he would see again. The fact that his son has now returned, the dad throws a massive party. Now, here's the great thing about this party. This happened before social distancing, right? They're not wearing masks. They get to gather in groups larger than five. They don't have to limit their capacity to 50%, which it feels like that's been our reality forever. Now, I'm convinced that large gatherings are going to happen again at some point. So I'm curious. What large gathering are you most looking forward to when it's safe again? So, so post that in the chat. What are you looking forward to? And, and I know we're in church, and, and it seems like the pastor would probably want you to put church. So I'm just going to assume everybody's top choice is church. So, so what's your second choice? What's your second Top choice, when we go back to large gatherings, what is it that you're dying to be a part of? Where do you want to gather together? Because for this father, he throws this huge party because sadness hasn't won. And after the party gets started and after everything's up and running, we see the response of the older brother. The older brother who had stayed home, the older brother who had worked the family business, the older brother who's about to show us a not very positive response. But his response reveals to us the second choice that we need to make to not allow sadness to win. If you and I want to not let sadness win, it's important that we enjoy a relationship instead of just following the rules. See, this older brother, he's headed back to the house, he's been working, and he's on the way back, and as he gets closer, he starts to hear the music. And then as he gets closer, he starts to smell the barbecue. And then as he gets closer, he starts to see the balloons and the streamers, and he's, he's confused because he's like, I know it's not my birthday. I know this isn't for me. He's like, what is going on? And so he calls a servant over, and he's like, hey, what's going on? Why are we having a party? I wasn't aware that there was a party. And the servant who's assuming the brother's going to be happy, the servant's assuming the brother's going to be happy because your, your brother, who he thought was dead, who he thought we would never see again, he's back. And the reaction should be favorable. But the brother's ticked. The brother doesn't understand why the dad is excited. He doesn't understand why, why the dad could have been hurt so deeply, but now wants to celebrate the son that treated him so horribly. He can't figure out why the father hasn't told the younger brother, hey, you can pound sand and hit the road. We were dead to you, so we're still dead to you. And the reality that the older brother doesn't understand why the father is excited points to the fact that he doesn't know the father all that well. It points to the fact that the relationship is not that tight. If they were that close, if they knew each other that well, then he would have known the pain the father was going through. But he also would have known the hope and the love and the forgiveness that the father felt towards the son that had walked away. So the older brother meets the father outside of the party and he starts explaining to the father, he's like, hey dad, I have done everything you asked. I followed the rules. 
Dad, I've been, I've been loyal to the family business. I followed the rules. Dad, I stuck around. I didn't walk away. I played the game. I followed the rules. And it can be so easy for us in our life to wonder why bad things have happened to us and why things aren't going well when we followed all the rules. Like, God, I've done everything I was supposed to do, and now my life's not going the way I wanted. God, God, I go to church. I even go to church online when nobody knows I show up. And God, why are our finances still like this? God, I, I work so hard to avoid saying bad words, and, and I'm working hard to try to learn how to stand against racism, and, and every night we make sure our kids say their prayers before the, we go to bed, and yet one of us is still really sick. This is not why. God, we have followed all the rules, and life isn't going the way that I think is best, and we get sad. And we wonder, what are you going to do about it, God? And similar to the older brother, the problem is, is that we've missed out on the fact that it's the relationship with the father that brings the joy, not following the rules. I mean, by following the rules, the, the older brother has done, it's gone pretty well. I mean, by following the rules, the other, older brother has avoided a bunch of the pain and the suffering and the disappointment the younger brother's gone through. I mean, by following the rules, the older brother has never been jealous of what the pigs are about to eat for dinner. The rules have prevented regret and heartache. They just didn't create joy. It's the relationship where the joy is established. And that's what the father attempts to explain. The father says this, My son, the father said, You are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The father is saying, you've always been with me. You're going to continue to be with me. We are in this together. We're going to continue to experience, and you are going to continue to experience all the benefits of this relationship because you're here in this relationship. But then he explains, because the younger brother is back and now that relationship has been restored, now there's a new joy. And when I say that it's more about the relationship than the rules, understand this, God cares about how we live. It matters to God that we follow his instructions, that we listen to and follow the plan that he has for how to live. And when we choose to live and follow the rules that he's put in and the ways that he causes, says you should do this or don't do that, when we choose to do that, it reveals our love for him and our trust in him and our belief that he wants what's best for our life. And following God's plan for living will help us avoid pain and heartache. <coughs> Excuse me. But God's desire is that each of us would be in relationship with him. Because it's in that relationship with our Heavenly Father where sadness can truly be overcome and continual joy can be discovered. It's in the relationship where we move from being dead to being alive. Following the rules doesn't do that. And so one of the greatest choices that you and I can make when we are consumed by sadness is that we can pursue our relationship with God. Not try and do more rules, not try to do more things right. Just pursue our relationship. Spend more time in conversation with him, in prayer. Spend more time reading the words, 
reading the Bible. Spend more time just listening to music that focuses on who God is and how God responds in our lives. Consistently be a part of Sunday morning in church, not for the stars that we put on the chart in the back where we keep attendance. Like, we've got that chart, just so you know. We got, we're tracking it. Not really. But when you and I are a part of church consistently, it helps us understand greater who God is, and it deepens that relationship. And when we're focusing on that relationship, God says to us, I am always with you. I have always been right here, and you will continue to experience the joy that comes from this relationship. It doesn't happen by following the rules. And Jesus gets great joy when he sees us moving towards the Father, and when he sees us pursuing a relationship and knowing God more. And those things not only bring joy to Jesus, they will bring joy in our lives and will help us overcome sadness. And then there's one last thing that will help us not allow sadness to win, and that happens when we invite someone to come along with you. It's always cool in life when you you discover something that's really helpful, that, that makes your life better, that improves your situation, that makes reality of life even better. I remember when we first started having kids, I don't know if you, once you have kids, you start having all kinds of gadgets and tools and tricks and like high chairs and seats and we found this one little high chair thing. It was this little multicolored, basic colored thing that, that popped out and you could attach it to chairs and it, it, was the, it was the best thing that we ever had. And anytime I find out that somebody is pregnant, I don't have any advice for them other than buy this chair. And I get so much joy out of finding or talking to somebody that said, hey, you know that chair you told us about? We found it or we found the new one because they've come up with better colors. But anyway, we found that chair and we love it. And when they tell us that they love it, it's like, oh, it's so great. I get such great joy out of knowing that now they're experiencing something from that. So here's your last chance for the day. In the chat, share. What is a product? What is a resource? What is an idea that you've had that when you share it with others and you see them benefiting from it, you just get joy out of watching them experience the benefit of this thing that you've shared with them. Because in our lives, as we begin to discover that Jesus wants to help us overcome the sadness that oftentimes can weigh us down, it's an incredible opportunity for you and I then to invite others to experience that for themselves. And my guess is, is that right now you know somebody that's struggling in life. My guess is that right now you know somebody that doesn't really feel like they can continue, where life is just pressing in and the sadness is overwhelming. Right at the start of Jesus' three years of ministry where he was teaching and healing and leading, right at the beginning, he's out recruiting the 12 guys that are, that are gonna be his crew, the 12 guys that will be known as his disciples that will help take the message to the entire world. He's out recruiting these guys and one of the guys that he finds is named Philip. And Philip meets Jesus, and and in the meeting, Philip begins to realize, this is the guy we've been hoping for. This is the guy that's going to help us overcome the struggles and the difficulties and all the things that are pressing in on life. This is the guy. And Philip gets so excited about who Jesus is and what Jesus can do, he's like, I gotta go invite my brother. 
And then listen how it went down. It says, Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? He's basically like, I don't believe you. And so Philip's like, let me argue with you. No. He doesn't, he, he just like, just come and see for yourself. Philip doesn't try to prove anything. He doesn't try to explain why it's going to work, which is a good thing for us to recognize. We are not the answer. We are not the solution. You and I, we are not the cure to sadness. And Philip is saying, I can't explain it to you. I can't, I can't really defend it. I can't really tell you how it works. Just come and see. And he invites Nathaniel to come. And for you and I, it's our opportunity. We don't have to explain how it works. We don't have to explain at all. We just say, come check it out. And over the next couple of weeks, we are going to dive in to how we can choose joy. And begin to discover that it's possible only through Jesus that you and I would be able to find joy in the middle of a pandemic, if that happened. Or to find joy in the middle of political unrest if that happened. Or begin to find joy when our country is dealing with and trying to figure out racial inequality and get beyond that. Jesus is the answer if any of those things were to happen. Or if all of them happened. Jesus is the answer to find joy as we move into holidays, which are supposed to be amazing, and yet so oftentimes there's so much stress. And Jesus is the answer to find joy as the length of daylight shortens every day. And Jesus is the answer to find joy when so many things, including our economy, seem so uncertain. There is a way to choose joy, and it's through who Jesus is and what Jesus does in our life. And so my hope is that you'll make make it a priority to catch each of the messages in this series. But I'm praying that you won't stop there. I'm praying that you'll invite somebody to join you. Invite somebody to say, hey, just come and see for yourself. And then they'll just choose to watch. Maybe they'll watch in their own home. Or maybe it's a person that you already spend time with that you would invite them to join you in your home and you offer to make them breakfast and coffee or whatever. Like, Just make it a deal. But my challenge is that you would be open to whoever it is that Jesus brings to your mind and that you would choose to invite because one of the greatest moments in your life will be the joy that you experience when somebody discovers the hope and the forgiveness and the life that's available through Jesus and the reason that they discovered who Jesus is and started that process was because you chose to invite them. You invited them to come and see for themselves and the joy that you will experience in that moment will be like unlike anything you will ever experience. So let's choose not to allow sadness to win. To recognize that it happens in life, but not allow it to bury us in life. And my hope is that I'll see you next week. And every week we want to provide some practical next steps. Some ways for you to think and respond based on what you've heard this morning. To determine for yourself what your next step is going to be. So what is your next step? Maybe your next step is to evaluate if your tendency is to step toward or away from the Father in sadness. Maybe your next step is to determine one step that you actually can take this week that will move you towards God. 
and maybe this next week, is that you need to think more about the relationship you have with God than the rules you're attempting to follow. And maybe you need to encourage one other person to join you online for next week's new message series, Choosing Joy. Whatever it is, wherever you're at, I would just encourage you and challenge you to respond to what Jesus is calling you to do. Let's pray. God, this morning, we recognize that life is not always perfect, that that life doesn't always go exactly the way that we want it to, and and that sadness sometimes is a part of our reality. But, But God, in our sadness, that is not where you intend for us to stay. That we have an opportunity to not choose to let sadness win, but we have the opportunity to pursue a joy that comes through you. So God, in the middle of the things that might be crushing us, would you help us to see that the answer is you? Not us, it's not what we can do, but it's through you. It's through the relationship that's available to us, that you have opened up through who Jesus is and what Jesus did on the cross. The fact that he conquered death, and as a result, we could be made right with you and be in relationship with you. And as a result, we can know joy. God, help us to hear from you. God, if there is somebody that you put on our hearts, if there's somebody that you would want us to invite, help us to have the courage to respond, not to worry about defending or or having answers, but just simply to say, come and see for yourself, but to take that opportunity and to invite. Thank you for the fact that you allow us to be your representatives to the world. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.